What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have the instrumental band Geary from Manchester, New Hampshire. I've known one of the guitarists, Brian Luttrell, for over a decade, and he was responsible for the intro music you just heard. I was able to catch them during their first tour uh, a while back. Uh, it was really great catching up with Brian, who I haven't seen in years, and meeting Alex and Jeremy. We cover a lot from the nerve-wracking experience of going to shows alone and eventually finding your close-knit group of people within the music scene, the differences between each of their previous projects and Geary, and how it feels to be in a band that just clicks. It was just Really cool to hear about their approach to this band and some of the reactions from their audiences while on tour. Uh, they tell the story about how one woman cried um, due to just this huge, strong emotional reaction to the music, which I don't really ever think about with instrumental music. You you always hear about lyrics and how they really you know speak to the soul, but as far as some of the instrumental stuff, you know, you're, you're left to interpret it on your own and that can have a big lasting impact on you, uh, no matter where you're at in life, whether you're there and you, you feel something that's, that's sad or maybe makes you happy, whatever just kind of connects with you. So it was really cool kind of hearing that story. Um, and then going through the, the rest of the conversation, I'll have all the links to the band's music in the show notes, as well as some of their older projects and Alex's amazing metal guitar net company. I checked out a couple of the necks while they were here, and they're awesome. Definitely recommend checking it out. As always, please rate and review on iTunes, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. But does he really need that, that teardrop? Cause he's got that teardrop. No, he has a. It's a smiley face with X's for eyes. Is that what that is? I yeah, thought it was a teardrop. Yeah, that's the tattoo side of his face. That was his first face tattoo. Ugh. He's into tattoos. Man. I hate. Is he? Is oh. he into tattoos or is he into like whatever looks cool? No, his his entire body's all covered in tattoos, and he's twenty one, dude. Are they good ones? It, it depends on what your feelings are. <laughs> if you already don't like the smiley face, I don't all know right. what I can tell you. All right, that's nice. Ugh. It's in the eye of the beholder. Ugh. I mean, yeah. yeah, he has he's um, he has a t- tattoo artist basically on hold at all times to just blast him. He's like, yo, I need a checkerboard on my face. He has a he has a like a <laughs> you know like the that. traditional like at the front of your truck cow skull that people like put at the front of their truck. Yeah, he has that. He, like he, on his neck. Yep. That's fucking wild. That's it's, all right. It's he's from Texas, man. He's straight Texas. All right, that's. And you're like, oh, some of that makes a little sense now. Yeah. Like, that is... And then he, you, when you see that's him wear... a hard place to tattoo, I feel like. Oh, that's a... Yeah. It's gonna be so painful. Yeah, but once your chest is covered and your back is covered and your arms are covered and... He should let legs. that fly, man. I haven't seen him with a shirt off. I don't... <laughs> let it fly. Let it go. I think he keeps it pretty clean in terms of the clothing removal. Yeah. yeah. Of as he's really dirty. Now you want, like, full, <laughs> yeah. full frontal pictures of him. Well, I think I think what what irritates me 
a little bit is there's so many people that absolutely love him that are just like I want I want to be with him so much and just he looks like that and just like I look a certain way like you want to be with me too right like I shower like he lo- doesn't look like he does he looks like he has still fucking sand and dust coming out of his yeah but you didn't make your first million off yeah. the first song you released sure yeah, I did I, I just sure I did. It, though that is that is exactly what I did that's that's how this works yeah didn't he beat a bunch of like Beatles records too he beat like, oh, he beat insane. Michael Jackson's records what? He, had the mo- he had the most songs on the Billboard 100 at the same time he conquered that feat. Post Malone did this? Yes. It's insane. Yep. It's the power of the internet. It, so it's one of those huh. things where I'll be like, I don't understand Post Malone, but like, maybe I should, because he's literally a cultural phenomenon. Maybe. It's like not understanding Minecraft or World of Warcraft. Like, dude, you, okay, then you missed out. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely missed out on World of Warcraft, because <laughs> I didn't stay in my room for 17 <laughs> to 18 hours a day. Uh, I didn't use Mountain Dew as a sole source of... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My have... pee stayed yellow, not did, right. didn't glow. Yeah, you got jaundice for another reason. It was just all the, the actual lime green that's going in you. Um, yeah. I I think three of my friends lost their scholarship or dropped out of college or flunked college because of World of Warcraft. I've uh, yeah, I've watched relationships get crushed by that game. That's fucking wild to me. I don't it, I don't understand it. It's. You entered a new world, and there's literally... It's not robots talking to you. You're just talking with a whole new set of friends. I had... I was in a guild, and a married a married woman who had kills, kids was the guild leader. And I remember something coming up in real life, and I couldn't do something with the, the guild. And she was like, real life happens, honey. You go on ahead. And I was like, thanks, fake mom. <laughs> feels like my real mom suddenly. Oh, that's so funny. It was very Did funny. you get into it real bad then? No, I mean, it was just like... I. Would, I was working regularly and then I would just go home and play and I like didn't have anything else going on. So it just went fine. Like I didn't like I didn't stop going to work for it, you know? Okay, I wasn't up for until like four o'clock in the morning playing it. He didn't say that. Yeah, I didn't. I went to (laughs) (laughs) it was when I was a bread baker. So I would go to work at two in the morning. So it'd be like a a rough job. Oh, yeah. You wake up at 6 p.m. and you're like, I guess I'll play with my guildies. And they're like, oh, man, I'm up so late. And I'm like, I'm up so early for work. <laughs> like, Do you really call them guildies? That's what you would call them and that kind of thing. Huh. All right. Well, we're going to skip over that part. That's uh, <laughs> that, that was weird. Yeah, I don't like that word. I don't, okay. I don't know what it is, but that's... <laughs> okay. That's, I'm, so, I'm sorry I secretly offended you. No, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that's that's just a... You're so that's like such an intimate thing. Like these are my guildies. Like these, yeah. are, these are like bronies. Like these are yeah, like, it's like bronies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on the I'm on the right the right well, track I, with that. The people aren't like those people, but <laughs> but the it's term that would be, same yeah. level of like intimacy, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a it's a family of only forty people, and that's it. And it's like no one else can join. It's a set limit, that kind of thing. That's crazy. Yeah. I play Destiny, and I'm really bad at it. But we have like clans and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's it's weird because I don't like other people, so I don't like the whole online gaming thing. I think that's what didn't catch me with World of Warcraft. Maybe maybe if I liked more people, I would have sat on the computer and played with them more. But um, I wanted to play by myself, and then when I first got into Destiny, I was like, why are they forcing me to yeah. interact with other people? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like these people. 
And then I still, like, I didn't do any of the raids. I didn't do anything yeah, yeah. for all of the, the first one. The second one, I finally did one raid because these dudes were like, hey, do you want to just come join our clan for a second? We'll actually text you and, and stuff like that. I was like, I don't want that, but I'll go on the raid. I Like, I need gear. Like, yeah, that's yeah. cool. And the first time that... Because you, you hear about all the, like, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds that are on Xbox Live. Yeah, just, yeah telling everybody how much they suck in life the first time that i did that was when i was 30 yeah like, yeah I, w- I wasn't prepared but thankfully i was around like other adults instead of playing online against people yeah and then i just whenever i play like competitive um so the pvp i just turn off all the voice stuff the yeah. voice stuff and i was like oh, fuck you guys I'll, I'll try and shoot you and you'll probably kill me a lot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. I I didn't think that I would like it as much as I do because I'm terrible at first person shooters. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's, it, it's all you know. It it comes and goes of like what that kind of community is like. It, it like that other thing. It's like it usually is the same as like with anything else where like you're like if you walk into it and you don't know anybody. It's like when you go to a show and it's a small show and you don't know any of the bands or anyone that's there and you're just like. Why am I here? What is like? It's just a bunch of circles talking, and you feel like you're in middle a middle school dance, and you don't know what you're doing anymore. And then it's like, but if someone brings you along, and it's like, oh, you have one person, and they know other people, and then you start getting into those like relationships. It's a lot more natural. You can't just jump in and be like, oh yeah, dude, the water is frigid, and that feels so good. Like, yeah, no. it's it was weird. So. Yeah. I started doing shows, I started booking shows, and I don't do them anymore, but I booked shows almost 15, 12 years ago, 13 years ago now. That's when uh, I met Brian in 08, so that's, what, 11 years ago now? Yep. So, yeah, so I think in 2007 is when I started really booking shows, and if it like when I was a teenager, I started going to shows with friends, and that was cool. But if I didn't like start my own community, and if I wasn't the one that do- was doing it, I don't think I would ever like been good enough to be like go to a show by myself because yeah. of that. Because of that like awkwardness and that kind of that fear of other people of just being like, I don't think I belong here. Yeah, it's definitely it's hard, but like it's similar when you like start a band and you're just like, okay, slowly builds up and then you're like oh i actually remember this person from the last time i was yeah. here and it slowly like starts being less weird but like you know you play we played a show last night and not a single i didn't know a single person there and no one was familiar but you're like okay i'm with my band it's not that bad it could be worse i'll try to have some sort of conversation with some of these people and like try to find common ground but it's definitely it starts it's always like a hard game to play. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting too. So I've been working retail and like sales for almost half my life at this point and the ability to talk to people and connect with them in a very short time is a skill that you have to like learn. And I would assume even touring with people coming up and be like, oh, you guys were so amazing. And instead of being like, oh, thanks. And then just like kind of cower, like you yeah. have to figure out how to talk to people in a short amount of time too, right? No, absolutely. Yeah, you have to really vibe. We had um, some uh, woman in God, Buffalo. Was that Buffalo. Yeah, she was like talking about after a set. She was like, 
I did. You guys were awesome. Um, I had to go like take a break and like cry in the bathroom because it like really hit me hard. And I was like, okay, we're having this conversation. Like, we'll and I'm like, we'll vibe on it. Like, it's just you gotta yeah. you cut you cut with it. And then it was like, and it was awesome. Like, I'm not saying like that was a bad conversation, but that was like not at all what you expect when that's gonna happen. It's just like, oh, cool set, and you're like thanks man like yeah what did you like you know you try to you try to get more out of them or whatever or get them to feel comfortable talking to you but it's like that was like an intense one for sure and i assume too with um with instrumental music it's a lot different because it can hit people emotionally because you don't really have the lyrics to kind of like latch on to so you don't be like oh yeah that line spoke to me it's really just the whole mood and the atmosphere yeah, of it yep. kind of speaks to you i'm surprised that it was like because to me i'm like i i was thinking about that same thing i'm like a lot of people will be like oh i latch onto that song because that happened to me that song about yeah. you know my my uh you know losing your grandparents or something it's like something that all basically 20 and 30 year olds go through is that your as your grandparents pass away or they already did pass away or they will at some point they're not gonna live forever and it's like that song can relate to you and it hits you in that way but like when nothing's telling you how to feel you just have the emotional turmoil that's going on in your day-to-day life like just starts coming out through listening to that experience yeah that's got to be intense i didn't even think about that yeah it's, it's weird because it's like we don't offer narration to the listener so it's like whatever they're just they're projecting and that's kind of the point of the band in the whole first place is that you we don't we're not trying to tell you we will tell you if you like ask like this is what you know this is going on about but it's like really you have to dig to get that information on a first listen or even subsequent listens you're just experiencing like your projection of what the music is and we're just we're like that's totally allowed that's the 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 game yeah, Brian, you were telling me how the what the name means. It's Geary, Gura, Girth. It's gigantic. <laughs> no, I don't, no. I don't it know. Just, exactly it just what... looks like it at like right. glance, but yeah, it's Geary. It's basically it's like a it's like a tiling pattern, and um, the way we basically describe it is much like our music that has no subject. This the tiling pattern, which you've probably seen, like the Taj Mahal has it and stuff yeah. like that. Um, it's also subjectless, so it's just how you interpret it, which is basically, I feel like, the whole premise of our band is just yeah. However you interpret it, that's what it is, and it's right. yours. So, and all of you have been in different bands before, right? Yeah, yeah. So, can you guys kind of um, one? I'll have you actually kind of slightly introduce yourself too. But the um, what I what I would like to know for all. Th- all three of you guys is how this one differentiates itself so much from some of your older bands. Um, Cause I assume this is, is this everybody's first instrumental? No, no. Okay. So you guys have that in the background of it too. Um, and then differentiate between like the, the old bands versus this one, the direction you kind of want to take it personally for you guys. Um, and then kind of the, the idea does everybody have kind of like a separate idea of what this band wants to be because that's that's another thing that what do you mean by wants to be so just like that tile just like how you interpret everything right so how does how does this band kind of like what it does it mean to you what do you have it kind of in the future for it a little bit um and then you know kind of go from there so we'll go around the the room so we'll go with brian first yeah so you just want to talk about basically 
Some, previous band? Yep. Wait, who are you? Oh, yeah. I should probably introduce myself <laughs> right there. That would probably be yeah, yeah, appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so my name is Brian, and uh, I play guitar in Geary. And um, I was formerly in Shot Heard Around the World, which um, that's how I met Chris about 11 years ago, like we were talking about. And um, that was kind of more like a post-hardcore alternative rock Post, type of, post, post, yeah. Yeah, all yeah. about the, the post. Um, and yeah, it's definitely... Um, a step in a different direction. I do feel like the old band definitely had parts that would overlap with this band, but as a whole, it's just a complete different thing. And uh, I don't know. Basically, at the end of that band, I just felt like we had reached the point that we were, we're, we were going to get. You know what I mean? We were, we were plateaued. We were doing just the same things year in and year out, just trying to make it better. And I just felt like... It was a we, destination. We had there. run... Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we had to kind of run its course. And I mean, we were a band for 10 years and done a whole bunch of tours and played with a lot of awesome bands. And we did stuff with Alex's old band, uh, Actor Observer. Um, that's kind of how Alex and I had met. Um, but yeah, so that band fizzled out in 2015 when we played our last show. And then um, I went to go see Ken, who played in Shot Heard around, excuse me, Shot Heard around the World, play with his new band, and also they were playing with Alex's old band, Actor Observer. Mm -hmm. So I went to the show. And I went to the show to see my old band. Yeah, and then we were like, oh, hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> and we were getting to talking, and I remember him like posting something about wanting to do like a, like a, like a, a post-rock, like Caspian, Russian circles type of thing. And um, like, yeah, let's jam. So... We jammed and like we we hit it off. It was like we synced up pretty well. Makes us feel like cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. We should try to like make this a thing. So like started trying out people and then like we met Jeremy and then like when we once we met Jeremy, it like locked in. We're like, yeah, this this, this feels really right because like we even after we met Jeremy, we would bring in like some other musicians, like maybe like a bass player or something, and it just it felt right just the three of us right because now it's just the uh, you on guitar alex on guitar and then jeremy on drums yep exactly yeah cool so yeah that once we all started jamming together it, it just felt right like i think after like the first practice we were like yeah that, that yeah I, I can see this working out and then um i don't know i feel like just the three of us with the combined knowledge of our previous bands we like knew what not to do yeah because especially with my old band like we made a lot of mistakes and i <laughs> i'm hopefully have learned from those mistakes mm -hmm. the um, hope right you're like man <laughs> sucks to do that a 13th time <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's the name of the game like you remember like when we were doing tours it's like we would come here like twice or three times a year and it would be a different lineup every single time yeah i mean it's like yeah. you would just find people it's like you want to fill in on guitar like we're doing this tours. I don't think I met your <laughs> your original guitarist or was it the guitarist? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was the guitarist that I didn't meet until like the second or third tour. Probably. Something, something like that. And I was just like, "What do you mean this is your real guitarist?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, we don't have a fill in anymore. Like we're actually whole this time." I was like, "Oh." Well, good for you. I'm cool, so yeah. proud of you. Yeah, yeah and and that just kind of like blew whatever relationship that I like just the, the the other familiar face that you see you're just like oh yeah i don't know you all right cool let's let's try this again yeah i mean i just felt like we just i just went like full at it i'm just like i we're gonna do this like just 
keep touring, keep playing shows and just kept pushing. And I felt like I never took a step back. I feel like that's what the big issue was. Like, I just kept going forward like, oh, you can't do a tour? Cool. I'm just going to like post something online and get someone or like call my friend and right. something and play bass and just kept going, kept going. And then like eventually it just, I just, it felt like it was a point where like it was just not getting better. And like, I obviously love all the people that I was playing music with and love all the music and it means the world to me. But it's like at the end of the day, it's like it, this isn't, it's not getting better. It's not right. going anywhere. Like, I feel like this is the perfect time to cap it off. And it obviously was, because if I didn't, then I'd probably still be <laughs> playing, <laughs> playing tours with a bunch of filming people. And yeah, me, yeah, me yeah. and Alex and Jeremy never would have right. started jamming. Yeah. So I feel like it, so this know, one, the world brought it together, I guess. <laughs> is it safe to say this one has also a little bit more forethought to it and like more planning and stuff like that, too? A lot of planning. Yes, like, at least songwriting-wise, like... We take our time, like we're just nitpicking every little tiny thing, and it's mm -hmm. just like I feel like that just in make enhances the music. It's just yeah, uh, cool. It's, uh, it's Alex, oh, of course. I'm Alex. Uh, I play guitar slash fake bass uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, slash MIDI controller, uh, and yeah, I used to be the did like a million different bands. Um, as everyone does. And then like I did an instrumental band for a little bit in college. Um, and then the first band that I did that did anything that like pushed or actually got like real CDs made and wasn't like DIY CDs on a CD burner was um, Actor Observer, which is still around and they're awesome. Uh, they just got signed to No Sleep and stuff like that. So they're, oh, nice. they're doing awesome. They just have... Um, I think they ironed out like their rotating cast and they've got like a mm -hmm. good lineup and stuff like that. So now they're, they released the record and they're pushing. So it's awesome. My cousin was in the band. Like we started that band together. And then, um, when I left that band, it was just like, I was basically out of money and couldn't, um, uh, my car died and I just like, couldn't get to band practice anymore. And I was like, I don't know what to do guys. And they're like, okay, well we found, we'll find someone I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. I also felt, um, it was a little tough because everything I was writing was kind of going back to how I would normally write, which is like no space for vocals okay. after a certain point. And it's like, it's really tough. Um, after that point, like when I'm like, okay, I don't really ever feel the need to write a pop song or I guess a song with like a purposeful hook. Right. Or a hook that's intentional or space for vocals. All those things are like, now that they're they have their lineup they're like oh we have a song and like it's you could jam to it and like so it's awesome um but now that's kind of like where i kind of headed off personally with that that like journey was but, that just like a natural progression for you too yeah i mean when i did i've always i used to do uh when i went to college is when i like really got into instrumental music as a whole got into like godspeed discovered russian circles because they were in the metal section and I listened to like they I listened to enter literally like when it was released before I think that was like their their the first thing that they put out and I was like dude this is crazy and it was a very weird time but um I had a radio show from 2 to 6 a.m. on Sundays and I, it was called mute and it was had the only requirement was no vocals so I got into like Unwed Sailor. I got into XBXRX, a ton of like weird bands. That's how I found out about Hella, yeah, um, yeah, which is some crazy bands. And then I also found out like that's where I started my obsession with Godspeed. Okay, which is like Godspeed, You Black Emperor is like 
probably the biggest name in the post-rock scene that's ever existed. Really weird band. Um, and my first instrumental band was like kind of a lot of stuff like that. I played the saw. My drummer played a Shruti box. <laughs> we had cassettes for like the live show that would like I would play a cassette with like samples on it from vinyl that I got vintage and like recorded over. And it was just like, that's a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot of work. I had four different guitar cabs that I set up around the room to try to like sonically encapsulate people. And it was like, this is too much. Like yeah, that's in, really when you went to college and I was trying to find myself. So I'm just trying literally everything, trying everything. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was awesome, but it was like massive overkill. And then um, stripped it all back and did post hardcore with my thing, played with um, Brian's band a whole bunch. And then I was like, I want to go back to like that kind of complexity and not trying to be going like um, completely buck wild on stage. Instead, I kind of want to focus more on that songwriting style. So that definitely kind of is like where it got itself directed. And now it's just like, now I have to play four different guitar lines instead of four different instruments. It's a lot easier to manage, but it's a different thing where I'm like stacking layers and stuff like that. Yeah. Live looping stuff. That's what I was just about to ask you. So you, you loop and, and get yeah, yeah, we're using each both Brian and I are using two different amps to get like two different sounds, looping on one amp, switching to the other amps, doing stuff like that. And then we're all like beat synchronized so I can loop and it does, it won't get off sync. So I can lay down a bass line, swap over to guitar, lay down a guitar line, swap over to both amps and play a third guitar line on top of that. If I Do want you to. have two different pickups in one guitar for the bass and guitar? No, or? I use a lot of like dummy tricks where I'll be doing like minus one octaves. Okay. I just straight up switch and switch my octaves. Sometimes like our main biggest, like heaviest sound I'm doing minus two, minus one, plus one and a fifth, like this crazy sound. And I'm playing through both my amps at the same time. And that's where we were like, we don't need a bassist. It's like a really cool, thick sound. Um, Local yeah. H, if I remember right, um, it's not a band that you would think that kind of like pushes different kind of styles and whatever. Right. But when I first started listening to them, one of the things that really hooked me was their guitar slash singer would use like a bass pickup and a guitar pickup oh, yeah, on yeah. one on one guitar. And it was just like, this is so weird. And then would do kind of what you're talking about, where you would loop it. And then finally, when you, they started playing more live and more live, they got a full uh, fill in basis. But it was just it was something that you'd never like thought about because it's yeah. just like 90s grunge alternative music. And then they're still because they're just a two piece for the most part. Yeah. The, but they still make a big sound. The sound, the sound that like it's a very similar sound that I have is very similar to the opening track from the 68 or is it just 68? 68. Yeah. yeah. Their their opening thing like it's that's just a two piece and he's playing through like three amplifiers and he's doing minus octaves and it's this super thick, crazy sound. And I was like, yeah, there's something about that. Similarly, Botch did it on. Yeah. Um, anthems to dead ends or whatever that record was called and it was like because i really like dave nutson he does a lot of cool stuff with effects and um same with brian cook and stuff like that so i'm like i always look at what those people are doing and like that sound was such an interesting sound of being like what if you made your guitar like as thick as molasses like just this insanely thick sound that you could never even achieve without these like 
effects that now exist. Yeah. Like it's not, it's obviously not a classic rock sound. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a modern sound, but it's, it's something that I think like pushed it. That was definitely part of Geary was like, we sculpted Once we started playing together, sculpting around that sound of being like, okay, this is like a, the bread and butter th- kind of thing. And then like, we can always add on top of it, subtract and like move around. But that's when it needs the meat. Like that's, that's where a lot of meat is coming from. Cool. So not Gary, Gary. Got it. Not not Gary, Indiana. Cool. No. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, let's go to you. So I'm Jeremy. I play drums for Gary. Uh, I ended up meeting these guys right after I got home from a deployment with the Army. Uh, and I had just, pr- just prior to then uh, quit my last project. So I had played with a... Pr- a progressive psychedelic metal band for about seven, eight years. That seems like a lot. Yeah, it, it was like Dream Theater mixed with Deftones, mixed with Kill Switch, it was mixed with Pink Floyd. Like it was a whole very unique uh, sound. And we'd played a we'd played a bunch of shows, recorded a small uh, EP, and then uh, some events happened. I, we ended up losing our singer and the guitarist, and it kind of we just never recovered from that. Mm-hmm. So spent three, I think almost three and a half years, just in the practice room, playing to ourselves. And I finally got tired of it, and it just it, it, it was very clear that it wasn't going anywhere. So I decided that I I need to find something else to do. And then right around that same time, uh, I got uh, called to deploy, go on a deployment for the army. So mm-hmm. while I was there, uh, over in. Uh, the Middle East, the base that we were on actually had a small practice room on uh, the Australian side of the camp. So we had like multiple nations there and they had a small like little music room set up. And I ended up uh, kind of half starting this little just jam thing with another guy doing uh, instrumental type uh, post metal, post rock stuff. And I was like, man, I really like this. And obviously I knew that wasn't gonna be a thing. That was right. just something to help pass the time. So once I got back, uh, I started looking around, looking around at all the usual spots that I looked for, and I saw uh, the post that I think it was Alex had made it on Craigslist, and then looking down through the the list of influences, it's like Russian Circles, Caspian. Uh, I think you might have like Sun O on there, Mogwai. I don't think I put Sun. I, you may not have. I, I don't think I have the balls to legitimately <laughs> list Sun O as something that I yeah. could do. But either way, so I saw the list of influences. And I was like, I started listening to it because I'd never really heard it, heard any of them. Uh, I hadn't really ever even heard of post rock until I started doing that right. project overseas because my uh, buddy at the time introduced me to him to like that genre, and I started listening to it. I'm like yes, this is what I want to do. Like, this I want to get in on. So, yeah, I hit him up, and I think we hung out at your house. Yeah, we didn't even play music the first time. No, we just, like, hung out and talked. And, like, hey, this is stuff from my last project. It sounds nothing like what we're going to do, but like this is stuff I've done. Yeah, it was a lot of, like, shooting the shit and just being like, okay. Because, like, Brian and I got along. We already did, a, like, a three or together, and, like, I did a bunch of stuff with Brian. I'm like, okay, I can vibe with Brian. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to bring a stranger I've never met yeah. into this. It's like, we're just going to have a, a vibe sesh where it's just like, <laughs> I'm just going to meet the dude and like, see if he can just chill with whatever. So mm-hmm. that w- I think, I think that's even more important sometimes too, because especially when you get older, like your circle of friends diminishes so much Yeah, yeah. and like taking that, that risk to meet anybody new is both like very hard, very scary, and it can also be exciting and then just very like daunting. Like this is not something that I really want to do. So I would assume for a band too, 
you know, having that gel between Alex and Brian is great, but you'd have to get that third person in there. You have to get, you know, your backbone of the band essentially at that point. Yeah, and yeah. I assume it's just as, as, as important to gel with that person than it is anything else. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you can't, um, just like making that, that gel, I guess. Yeah. In, in that sense, I don't actually know where I'm going with that one. <laughs> so I'm just going to pass that off to you. Yeah. Just here, you take that back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I met them. We, uh... No worries. When you're making gel, I was like, where? Yeah, whatever. But, yeah, so I uh, met them and, yeah, hung out with them. And then I met uh, Brian, I think, the first time we jammed. And, yeah, we just had this, immediately had this uh, this chemistry and this kind of feel to it. And yeah, it progressed from there. I ended up, uh, I think I ended up selling like all of the symbols that I had previously for my metal project because I was just like, these are not fitting. Because the they're just loud and annoying. Yeah. I mean, not that they were loud. It's just like, <laughs> these are not the right tones that I'm right, going right. for. And like you said, you know, you're getting that chemistry of like, I really tried to try to create a sound that like fills that, you know, that frequency range that's going to make it sound huge and really driving. Uh, so yeah, I think I ended up selling like all of the symbols that I had that I'd had I'd had for years, and ended up buying these massive like 22 inch rides and 24 inch rides and 15 inch hi hats just to like try to make as big and dark and you know diverse a sound as possible. Was that a big learning experience for you too? Like, did you come in and be like, "Oh shit, I got some homework. I got to listen to this, some of this stuff." Oh, absolutely. Like, I I think I spent probably. A good week just listening to like the entire catalog of Russian Circles because Dave Kuternkrantz is an, he's a drummer for Russian yeah. Circles is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and when we were writing the uh, Geary uh, record Eigengrau, I actually remember uh, thinking to myself, okay, what would Dave do here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, would would Dave do this here? And you know, what not awesome not necessarily. Part. What's that? What awesome part would he throw on top of? Yeah, it? exactly. Like, not necessarily trying to rip you know rip off Russian Circles, but like, okay, how would he you know? Try At to least do the something thought pattern here. for it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you always look. If you're like, I'm gonna shoot up. Like, what would, you know? I need to look at like the. Even if you consider them a contemporary, you're like, I gotta be better than better yeah. than my contemporary. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, gotta push myself and think like the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, they're not all. Enemies, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, I'm joking. No, yeah. yeah, but I, I like that. Um, Jeremy, are you still active? Yep, yeah, I'm still in. I have about, I'm coming up on 15 years this year, oh, wow. so almost there. So how do you balance your life in the Army with the life in the band? Just very careful scheduling of, like, I, luckily with the Army side of it, they, uh, they push out when we're going to have stuff to do, and for the most part, that usually holds true, so it's kind of easy to plan scheduling around that, like, okay, I know I'm going to be gone this weekend, or for this week, or or for this month, or whatever, so let's talk and figure out what we can do around that when we were recording the album they actually pulled a fast one on me we had scheduled the recording time and paid for and like everything was set and then i think it was like a week or two before uh they something happened on their end and they changed the dates to conflict with when we were recording so i ended up missing like the second half of recording Mm. so i literally came in did my drum tracks in like I think a day and a half and was there for like maybe two days of the guitars yeah you did, you had like a, another day where you got to hang out and then you're like okay bye yeah yeah. 
Yep, and then, so we were texting each other back and forth, and they'd send me, like, little clips recorded on their phones of, like, okay, hey, this is this well, part. Because you had access to the mixes, I think, because we were sending you the full mixes from... Yeah, uh, at the end of the day. The yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, they were sending me uh, the sure. full ba fully bounced down tracks, and so I could hear it. And it was interesting, like, I remember you and I were, like, arguing over a point whether it was, like, <laughs> three, four, six, eight for, like, a good 20 minutes. Yeah, it was like, like trying to explain what we were trying to communicate over the phone. And we ended up... Uh, we had to get a phone call. Yeah. Like, we couldn't even, couldn't yeah, even text. Like, it. texting was just not working. Like, I'm just going to murder you, dude. And I'm like, just be in the same room as me. Stop. <laughs> That's got to be tough as a band, too, and obviously touring and stuff like that, but... Um, I interviewed a guy in one of my first episodes or one of the first few episodes where he was active Navy, but he was a world cup, world cup dodgeball player. So all of his leave would go to world to dodgeball tournaments, mm -hmm. which is just insane to me. I, I don't know how you can be that dedicated to such a, a thing, but, um, I assume it, it's for you to be able to make sure the schedule works and, and to like tracking drums in a day or a day and a half is ridiculous yeah i mean it's we we also prepped ourselves like we again it, it's a lot of knowing your mistakes before you go in the yeah. first time you go and record you're like dude it's gonna be so cool it's gonna be just like all the things i've seen for like foo fighters and it's gonna be <laughs> we're gonna fucking make coffee and have jokes in there and you're like no you're gonna work and you're already behind the moment you walked in the yes, door. Yeah. You're overbooked, you're underscheduled, you're you're all gonna be tired, your singer's voice is gonna go out in the first thirty minutes of tracking and your uh, fingers will bleed. So yes. Yeah. So we learned a lot about that and one of the tricks that um, I learned from the last record I did, which went cost effective like really well before this, was like, okay, we're gonna go to a lesser studio or even DIY it and we're gonna make roughs for literally everything with tempo tracks and everything like that. So when we walk in the studio, you can literally load up the file. It has the tracks, guitar one, guitar two, bass, and uh, drums, all on their own tracks, all tempo mapped. So it's like, okay, you can turn off, mute the old drums, start recording drums. Like you can just, as long as they're set up and they're mic'd and start doing an engineering right away because there's no confusion about what we need to do. Mm -hmm. So it was very like, focus on that efficiency of being like okay drums are set up in the first half of the day second half of the day three songs bang them that's incredible that's, that's what and that's again where you're like okay we only have whatever seven days to um record and mix the whole thing and it's like that that's awesome because it's no no one can afford to write and record a record in the studio anymore yeah it's not how mm -hmm. it goes so yeah it was it was an awesome way to approach it and that definitely helped us be able to get Jeremy out the door as fast as we needed to. <laughs> yeah, we ended up uh, doing all the, the roughing in my basement I actually have a little jam room set up so uh -huh. we went there on a day and just banged them right out. Yep. That's that's impressive and then so Alex you own your own business too right? You just started that not too long ago? Yeah I quit my job in November so yeah I, I make most or some of the gear for the band. I make aluminum guitar necks for my like I'm on number like 80 or whatever so that's what I do as a full time job is just make aluminum guitar necks and then all the cabs that we use uh, I made with the old company I used to work with and then the guitar head I use is a guitar head I made for that same company so that's fun and then some of the pedals I use I also made when I used to make pedals and stuff like that which 
may come back for this company at some point. Not, <laughs> not promising anyone anything yet because I want to like get them perfect. Now that I have like an actual company with, you know, um, what's your company called? Robot Graves Industries. Okay. Uh, RobotGraves.com. Feel oh, free to visit. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it. I'll put it in the description. Very, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's a huge part of you know like making this band is like sculpting the the sound because there's we're not hiding behind a lyricist. We're not hiding behind a catch or like a. Uh, there's no. I want to say that there's no gimmick really to Geary. The gimmick is just like wanting to really have you be like walk away from that and be like that i will never see that again no band will do what they're doing like and then just cry in the bathroom you're right well that but like also just being like sonically unique and yeah. and artistically like brian was talking about writing and we're how we nitpick everything to the core it's like you want that to be something that people walk away with and being like man that song was like i you know they went to places i didn't think it, it could go and you know it does stuff that I'm not going to hear that from the 50 other contemporaries like I've listened to like for my entire life. I'm like, I don't want to sound like anyone that's in this world take pages from. But I don't want to be. Yeah, it's it's I think it's tough in all genres of music. I think it's even more tough in instrumental music to get lost or to not get lost i'm sorry oh you mean like as to a drift? fan yeah as a fan because you can really like look into say if you have four instrumental bands and then you're just like oh these are doing kind of the same yeah, thing and they're it, just groups yeah metal does that a lot for me hardcore does that a lot for me because it's most of the same kind of riffs same kind of rhythm section same kind of everything in there right it's i would think that it it's more difficult to kind of differentiate yourself and brand yourself as a different entity in yeah. instrumental music than it is in music with vocals because you have that vocal piece in there that can sound completely different than anybody else. Right, right. No, yeah, I I, I totally I think that's something that we like definitely spent a lot of time on. We didn't write a song for a while. We just kind of sculpted sound for mm -hmm. a while as a band we purposely weren't trying to write anything a couple ideas like stuck around and they would come back time and time again but it was a lot of being like okay where are we sonically fitting what's what's needs to be sculpted here and what um i don't know if you know who anthony fantano is he does he does the needle drop it's a review thing okay on, on youtube but he had i don't actually remember where it was but he did like Obviously, he's he's been doing reviews of a ton of stuff since ever. He reviews like 300 albums a year or something like that. That's a lot. It's He pushes pretty hard on the whole thing. And then um, he was talking about like, it was basically like, why is my band not famous? Sure. Here's the FA. Here's the shorthand, like reasons of like a number of reasons why you might be pushing the hardest you can. You might be pulling every card you can out of your sleeve. But in the end, for fans, if you're not bringing something new to the table, then you're really like it's if someone else can provide what you do better than you, that's the that's capitalism. Like that's yeah. it's just in art. And it's like, yeah. oh, dude, if, if a dude just paints the like the almost the same painting as you, but he's just a better painter, you're just like, oh, well, shit. Yeah, but that's like that's, you know, like paintings are different. But similarly, it's like if I if we just sound like another band, but a worse version of it, it's like then we're. We're right. kind of 
um, shooting ourselves in the foot is the whole thing. So like bringing something new is such an important, at least for me, after listening to that, I was like, that's a very true. If you think about it, like being like, I'm going to artistically try to push myself and be like, no one's doing what, what I want. Yeah. To do. You want to wear your influences on your sleeve a little bit, but also be able to push the boundaries of it. Right. 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 So absolutely. you, you don't want to get stuck in, Oh, they're just another clone. They're just another, whatever Russian circles clone, whatever right. explosions clone, whatever. Right. right. Yeah. It's like, so it's very much. Yeah. That, yeah, I would. And I would also think that's a more mature outlook on it. Uh, because you guys have been in those other bands that um, may or may not have when you first started writing music. Oh, you didn't even realize that you're playing almost the exact same style or yeah. you're you're getting your influences, but they're really coming into your music like this. You got to be more logical about it and probably a lot more conscious about it now that you're for Jeremy. You're learning almost an entirely different kind of music mm -hmm. at this point. Right. Yeah. And then with Alex and Brian, you're, you're making sure that you're conscious of where you're coming from and then also being able to push sonically what yeah. you really want to do. Right. Yeah, it's it's a lot of being like it's a, what everyone you stand on the shoulders of giants like everyone before you, you always are like bow down to and you're like, you guys are great and stuff like that. But like you want to push beyond what they do. You don't want to stand beside them. You want to be like, I'm going to further what you did, especially in such a, a genre that's still relatively new in, in terms of like what post metal can really do, like the oldest band. I would say being like neurosis or something like that. And it's like, they've been around for a while, but like, they're still playing. It's not like playing rock and roll where it's like, right. okay, you have like 70 years of, of stuff like that. So it's like, we're still, it's still being sculpted. So you can definitely, there's so much room to really, I, I guess there's not so much room because <laughs> you're like, okay, it's still rock guitars, you know, but it's trying to push yourself to be like, okay, I want to do more than what I've heard out there. Yeah. And then for for you too, so building the next building heads, building whole guitars, cabinets, electronics, the the whole thing, are you using your knowledge of that to push the band forward too? You mentioned it oh, slightly yeah, a little yeah, bit, right? Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of a lot of that is pushing the band forward, like pushing um pedal configurations to be like, okay, this is what we want to do for this. Similarly, we just moved over to having um being able to like quantize the loops. So like you play a punk show, your drummer might not get a monitor because nothing's mic'd. There's right. no PA whatsoever. <laughs> so my drummer, Jeremy needs to hear my loops. Like that's important to us staying on with the loops, especially if the loop is a very rhythmic loop and it's the basis. It's an underlying basically guitar line through a whole section of the song. If we get off sync from that, it really kind of ruins that vibe. So then we had to, we took the time, did a ton of research. So now I use like a MIDI controller on the floor to send tempo to all our in, we all have in ears, like this whole configuration that I wanted to do. And now it's, it's all set up. So it takes no time to set up. Right. And it just turns on and works with the set. And that was the goal is like, we can't add more time to our setup. We can't be plugging in a laptop midi syncing it to all this stuff and yeah you can't you can't be that band that's taking 30 minutes to set up with every band every yeah. person has a laptop and all yeah. this stuff yeah so we said it's it's like we wanted it to be as best as possible but that was a huge thing it was like we figured that out i built a whole new pedal board for it just to house like this stuff 
and now it's just like it works and that's a huge that's been like a what we've been working on this tour and like trying to push ourselves to be like okay now that's gonna get perfect and then yeah that'll help us write our next album because now we don't have to have our loops can be a little bit different now and that lets us push something because we always have a click track on hand so it's like now we can start thinking about these different concepts that weren't even possible before it's letting us push our even selves like immediately this is your first tour as this as this band right yeah 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 okay what have you well how many shows have you played so far for this tour four four five Five. Yeah, five. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, we know math. That that's cool. I just want to make sure that I'm not asking like the the second or third show. What have you found already uh, about this band, or what you can do about your live show that has changed from the studio to this, or with with the with the tour? Because like I said, setup and breakdown is is a big thing. With me doing shows before. I hated someone taking 30 minutes to plug in a laptop to figure out if a sample works. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Go play something. It'll work. Or if it doesn't work, fuck it. We'll, move on. we'll keep going. Move on, yeah. So that I, I think that's a really mature outlook of it. And knowing ahead of time of what you demand as a band and all the, all this other stuff that you have to help yourself mm -hmm. and you have to help the, the people that are around you too. So yeah. What, what's something that you've already kind of picked up on tour that maybe you'll bring back to the studio, bring back to other live shows or kind of push yourself in a different direction. Well, for me, at least for this tour, cause this is the first time we're ever using in-ear monitors for the quick strike, like he was talking about. And I was having a real issue cause like we kind of still go hard yeah it's like not when we're playing like yeah yeah we're, we're still kind of like rocking out and stuff and i was having like a big issue of like the in-ears just popping out so um basically our merch guy josh he had he also plays music so he kind of gave us an idea of like kind of just like taping it and giving yourself a little slack so like when you're you know moving around it's not pulling right so like that that was kind of my issue this tour is like managing how to make that your things work and also be able to move the way I want to move. Yeah, to that point, so I as long as I've known you, you've done stupid stuff on a stage. Whether it's <laughs> hanging from a rafter yeah, 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 yeah. or jumping over a wall or whatever whatever it is. Uh and I've just seen dumb stuff. Oh, I yeah, love it because worst. it's a great it's yeah. a great show. <laughs> but how do you restrain yourself so much now? Because I mean Because it's it's different. It's different music, you know what I mean? Like I feel like the stuff that happened was evoked because of what the music was. You know what I mean? It was sure. just like wild and chaotic and feedback and like, we're, you know what I mean? Like that's, but with this, like there's beautiful parts and like, yes, they're heavy parts, but it's like, it's just a completely different animal. So like I, I react differently to it than the previous band. Cool. Yeah. There's definitely different moments where it's like in, in previous bands, it'd be like, Oh, this is a quiet moment before like the chaos breaks loose. And like, we obviously like unload for sure. And Brian time is always like pure, pure chaos. I used to be the craziest person in my old band. Okay. Um, that was one of the, when Brian and I were talking like at that show and we were like talking, he's like, I want to do that with you. And I was like, just so you know, my intention is not to be <laughs> like, I did the crazy and it, that was awesome. I'm going to probably lay back a little bit, but it's still like you go hard and like, we have these sections where it's like, as it slowly, because it's got that post-rock, post-metal, like we were unfolding this thing yeah. before you and you get to this heavy section. And you're like, it's so crushing. You're going to go absolutely 
bonkers with it. It's right. a lot of fun. And then you like you hit these reprieves. And it's like oh, it's standing, and it's like you're just like feeling that music. And as like your sweat's dripping down, you're like, thank God for this <laughs> for this section. <laughs> it really feels really good that the section's light. Yeah, there's a lot. As for like um, learning stuff on tour and stuff like that, we actually a thing I picked up from my old band because setup and takedown used to be too long. We before we I think before we played our first live set, we practiced our setup and takedown. We went yeah. out into the hallway. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we had that like practice, and we similarly we had uh, yeah. It, it's just getting that down so it's, it's super important same thing where i built a whole new pedal board just because i wanted right. no additional setup time we worked really hard on trying to iron that out as much as possible we have these um cabs that have no speakers in them they have lights in them so you can like we can light up the stage as we want it's statically set it just rolls up on stage and in back our power conditioners that we plug all our heads into so we have almost no chance of a head blowing on stage because it's going through clean power that gets cleaned on its way in. It takes zero time to set up. You know exactly where the plugs are. And it's like, it actually makes everything way more, way more efficient. Right. It's like, you have to do that because you're, it's like, if you're the headliner, cool, you don't have to tear down at the end. But like when you're in the middle, you're the th- third of a four band bill. You're like, your time on and off the stage is super, super important. It's, yes. It's it's a it's a huge part of making a show successful, making yourself come back, looking professional, looking like you know what the hell you're doing, respecting like the other people playing the show. All of those things like weirdly come from like how quickly can you coil up a chord? Yeah, it it was it was, it was always my biggest pet peeve is not people not getting the fuck off the stage. Yeah, and yeah. I'll I'll always remember it. Uh, one of my buddies, Tony, um, used to play in this band called Human Room. And I had them play for me at Memories in Waldorf uh, years and years and years ago. And he's he's been in music for like two decades at least, I think. I don't know how old you are. I'm sorry if I aged you. Uh, <laughs> you'll never hear this. Yeah. Um, but he, I remember him like whispering in my ear and was like, let me show you how this is fucking done. I'm going to get these kids off the stage. They have no idea what's happening to it. And they were done in seven minutes. Yeah. And I was like, how do you have five people? You already, you're a f- fucking professional getting people on and off. And it was, just, it was mind blowing. And I was like, I love you so much. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And the, the fact that you've like practiced that and like tried to perfect that with your own self, like that's, that's gotta be from years of being in other bands and, and knowing exactly what you got going on and drumming. That's the biggest part of it. Mm-hmm. So going in and out and, and making sure you're, clean and set up and ready to go is, is important right a lot of it comes down to uh I, and i learned this over the years uh is doing trying to do as much pre-setup as i can yeah so uh whether it's you know trying to be, whether it's just getting everything out of the, its cases and just root, you know roughly set up because like you can adjust stand heights and angles and everything yeah, yeah. once you're on stage pretty quickly but at least if it's out and it's set up ready to go to adjust it like it makes it real easy to get it up on stage because uh, I this and then tear down same thing. I just grab a whole section and take it off the stage, and then I'll worry about breaking it down later. Because I, there's nothing more infuriating to me than seeing like a drummer 
on stage with a band that isn't sharing a drum set with everyone, and he starts, you know, they start pulling their cymbals yeah, off yeah, and yeah. trying to pack stands. Down. I was like, dude, <laughs> just grab it and go. Get yes, out of my yes. way. I have stuff to do too. You see them bring their shell cases on stage. <laughs> oh my like, gosh! What? <laughs> Not today, Junior. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it, it almost makes me want to grab their like drums and just start yarding them off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> was this your first time with in-ears too, Jeremy? Or uh, as far as live performance, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like I've I've Almost. practiced the click tracks for years and years, just trying to push myself as a drummer and be you know, musically excellent. Uh, but as far as yeah, live tours, musically excellent, dude. That's <laughs> I don't know. That's how I, that was a cool phrase. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so but yeah, it definitely was. Uh, it was a really. It took a little bit to get used to. But I absolutely love it because it takes all of the effort on my part of having to count just right out of the mix. Like, I yeah. just, just follow the click. It does it for me. That's the fantastic. computer will not be wrong. Right. You hope so. Yeah. Hope they don't take over your brain or anything. Sometimes yeah. I mess up and the computer is wrong. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's human error. Alex is wrong and then the computer followed Alex. Yeah, it's my fault. Was there anything that you've learned so far on this on this tour yeah. with, with this band too? For... For me, it's really been uh, kind of getting with the sound guy and, you know, whoever is in charge of, like, the, you know, you might call him a stage manager, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term, uh, and getting with them and kind of, like, going over the details earlier of, like, okay, hey, these speakers are, like, at one show, like, the speakers were really close together. I'm like, dude, that's, like, totally blocking the stage off. Can we, like, push these out of the way, open up the viewing area, uh, talking to the sound guys, like, okay, here's what I need out of you as far as how my drums are sounding, whatever drums they're miking. So if they're just miking the kick, okay, I need it to be, like, really punchy. And, you know, even spending five minutes just with that seems to work a lot better than, like, trying to yell at them from the stage, like, no, dude, make it more punchy. Yeah, <laughs> pre-meeting pre is huge. Yeah. It's really helps when you're just like, hey, you're the sound tech? What's your name? I'm going to meet you like a human. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to yell at you <laughs> I, after it took me 15 minutes to get on stage. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's I I think there's some of the unsung heroes and if you're not like familiar with that like you're going to either have a bad time because they're not going to give a shit about what you're doing if you're just being a dick the entire time. Mm -hmm. And if you're just nice to people, like that gets the better result all the way through. Yeah. And yeah, just treat people like humans. That's that's all it is. Yeah, dude, shoot the shit with your sandwich maker, and you'll find that there's more meat on your sandwich for, for some sure. for some reason, and it follows to literally every trade. Yeah, it's like as long as you didn't annoy me, you're already probably a star customer. You <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. And it's everything's you know like a a trade of that thing. So it's like between the sound guy and the door guy and the promoter and stuff like that. They're all your friends. The same thing with the bandmates. So the more that you can meet them. I can't remember people's names, but I the only person's name who at a show I will remember on purpose is the sound guy back. That guy's Tony. His name is Tony. <laughs> I'm gonna remember Tony. I'll be like, yo, Tony, oh, we don't need any, you know, DIs. There's no weird stuff stuff to set up. You're all set. Just talk to my drummer. Like, it's awesome. It that, definitely helps. That's fantastic. Um, we talked a little bit about branding and like making yourself different. Um, and you brought up the lights and yeah. the also the branding of the band itself so the the artwork that goes with it the um, so every show is the is that the 
I don't the light dots. I don't know what the fuck they're called. Yeah, are you uh, talking about the braille that we did? Yeah, on the, on yeah, the cover? braille, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> that you can't feel, right? Yep, yeah, yeah. It's braille made out of lights, which is like in its own ironicy of just being like, right? The only people who know how to read that can't read that. Yeah, that, that's a good feeling. Uh, <laughs> yep. Where did where did that come from? Um, the idea of the the idea of the name too so we we had talked about that um mm -hmm. i don't know if we talked about the uh, how like it came to be like what that idea was and even the name of the the record and all that stuff so this is a very unique i think i think name i think uh yeah yeah i think it's a, a neat concept uh when brian and i talked about it first i was like i, I love this this is a really great idea and and a really like encapsulating just moving forward and interpreting what your everyday life is going forward is is huge so can you talk to me a little bit about the branding and then some of the uh the way that the name came about and, and all that stuff too sure yeah we did i i, I mean band names is always like uh it's like shooting 50 horses and trying to find the one that like it's so hard because every time you hear a name at like at first you're just like yeah dude that just sucks and you're just like it all it all sucks and so that was like one where i was like it's more about the concept behind the name than it is even how the name sounds i like how it's like okay cool we're not just like i don't have to pile three common words together or five common words together to try to shit out of band name and it's not a made-up word either you know it might be made up because you don't know it but like it is an artistic concept of like art that has to be subjectless by def definition and it's a fun thing to play with and also wasn't taken which is a huge one yeah um <laughs> yeah so and then yeah so the the lights themselves were actually part of my old band's setup which I stole from Young Widows, which yes. they willingly okay. said in an interview that people could steal it. So, so I did. My my first time that I saw Young Widows, and yeah. that's when I see stacks of light. That's what I think about because Caspian has the same thing where they have their their stack with the the feather. Yep, the, the feather lights. Yeah, whatever. But the first time that I saw Young Widows, I think it was at Rock and Roll Hotel, mm -hmm. um, and the whole room was just pitch black. And then they go into it. They light up the room from the stage. Yeah. It was just, it was such a big, powerful piece yeah. in there. And I was like, I love this band forever. Yeah. I don't really care about their new direction, but I like, I, yes. I love, yeah, I love this tough. band forever just because of the way that that made me feel in that one point. And it was just like such a big explosion of sound, of light, of, of everything. And it was just wonderful. Yeah. Young Widows was one of the first three pieces that really pushed me into understanding like Especially like their sonic range of being like we're punk with reverb and no punk vocals, and I'm like I don't understand. Whatever you're doing is awesome. Yeah, and it's even even with like Breathe the Resist too. They yeah. originally they brought that that crunchy grungy, just huge sound to Young Widows, and it was just like I don't. I remember talking to the bassist at one. I think it was at that show, and I was like, I don't have no idea what sound you're making out of it, but I love it. Yeah, yeah, the, it's, it's awesome. just wonderful to me. Yeah, they're, they're a great, they're a great band to look up to. Again, a band that does like sonic things that are interesting. He runs a two amp stereo setup. He doesn't run through both at the same time. He runs a, a reverb that ping pongs, so it'll be like 
literally like dizzyingly fast ping pong stereo through the stage and it's like yeah dude that's how you make people like pass out from not understanding like what's going on which is just like cool shit and that's it's awesome so yeah that's part of where the lights came from i i young widows is baller but yeah so that came from that and then the album cover album name all kind of ties together to this like blind thing um eigengraut self is the name given to it's the german for basically i think it's like zero gray and okay. it's supposed to be the color that you see when you close your eyes so it's like the approximation of that color it's not black it's not gray it's emptiness yeah it's it's this null gray this zero gray or eigengrau but yeah oh. so it's it's a very interesting concept so we kind of like went with this whole or at least for this album basically definitely not gonna i don't think extend beyond this album like this album is all kind of based around blindness and um that's where doing the name in braille itself kind of comes from but it's like so it's like people it doesn't say geary you know on the album cover it says something that you can't read you don't actually know how to even read the words that are written in front of you you have no clue how to decipher that and even if you were blind, it's written in a way that you can't read it. Like it's it's purposefully not there, but there. Like yeah, you know, I dig it. Uh, was there with the the marketing and the the release of the album and and stuff like that? Was there a lot of forethought into? Okay, we're gonna take our time on to to do everything. We're gonna make sure that everything's perfect because you guys talk about nitpicking songs. You talk talk about making sure that sonics are right, making yeah. sure that every every piece of this went. Because I don't remember. Did you sign to management or sign to a record label? Because I don't remember that either. Because I'm a terrible researcher. <laughs> we yeah, we have um, we had two labels helping us out um, after we. We still, I think we were done with the concept. It was visually done. And okay. we had um, even, I think, the whole record, like, I guess, mapped out in terms of visually, like, what the front cover, back cover, all that stuff. Like, the whole piece was ready. Um, and then we got interested with Dunk uh, Records, which is over in Belgium, and A Thousand Arms, which is, are they in Montana? Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah Bozeman. Yep. And um, between the two of them, they helped us basically release uh, the record in Europe and America, um, helped us press it. But they didn't really, um, like, guide the um, the theatrical <laughs> release. <laughs> they, they didn't really tell us, like, what we should do in terms of advertising. They weren't sure. like, this is what your music should be like. They didn't, um, that was all on our budget and stuff sure. like that. So we kind of self-did a lot of things and, like... Uh, tried to open up some stuff with that and like um, we had our own little things that we were doing some you know some are successful and some aren't in terms of like advertising for the record or like what sh what could fans latch onto and not latch onto so like we initially released one track before we were even ready to do a music video everything was done we released a track just had fans something to grab onto and be like now I have a Geary track ready Proof of concept yeah, yeah and it was like we had a whole video and it's like again in that video you don't really know what's going on and stuff like that it wasn't it was just kind of a video to get you enticed and 
that like has secret messages in it that I don't even know if people have or have not decoded and stuff like that. And it's like just stuff to like have people kind of grab onto or maybe they yeah. did, maybe they didn't. And um, yeah, we just pushed with that concept. We were like when we made the record, we were like, OK, we're going to put in an entire insert of Braille. That's just like you could if you want to take the time and read the Braille like that's going to help entice your thing. And that's part of weirdly it's hard to talk about when you're just when you're talking about your band and being like okay so advertising how do you market yourself and how do you see yourself as a product and stuff like that but that was a conversation that we had like a lot of people don't have that conversation they just want to see it purely as just only art yeah but it is a consumable something like that so we yeah. were like we want it to make people's memories last about it and I don't know if you know anything about like Constellation Records or um, Hydrahead Records. Yes. Both of those labels do a lot of extras and stuff. And those are the labels that pushed me when I was buying LPs in the first place to like really be interested. Yeah, Hydrahead put out stuff like Young Widows, yep. uh, These Arms Are Snakes, I think yep. Botch, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just yep. amazing stuff that we're all in our kind of like wheelhouse of what we're talking about. Yeah, so. but like Constellation Records would put in a crushed penny by a train in their record. They had like it was okay. crazy. They would they would do all sorts of stuff. So I've always been into like these like extras that they're not expensive, but like you open a record. There's a guy that did a review online of our record. He's a record collector and he was like, oh, the color's cool. And he was like. This is just a sheet of bread. He's like, I've never in my <laughs> life seen anything like this. And it's like, it was awesome to get a reaction from a person that just un opens up vinyl and being able to get this reaction out of him. Like that to me means a lot. And yeah, I think that sticks and that's part of packaging. That's part of like being the, the or the, I guess the, the geary brand that we're trying to do is be like, Man, imagine if music did affect you. Like, imagine if it wasn't just a Spotify playlist that just went on, you know? And yeah, imagine if it did have emotional resonance. Right, yeah. right. And it's like a lot of that same things. Like, and then we we released our second song, which was a full music video that we got a whole crew together with and created this whole like visual concept of this music video and really like pushed that out the door. And that was like we did that and released the record our re record release date. Mm -hmm. So people like knew the record was coming out. They knew where they could get it. They could pre-order it. All that stuff kind of came out. That was like a huge part of the marketing. And that was all on us to like, it was our decision. Right. And we put all that together and we're just like, okay, I think this is what people can grasp onto visually. Something like that, you know, it isn't abstract in the sense of like weird stuff. You don't know what's going on. It's like, that's a dude. Like it's a very <laughs> filmed awesome thing so like yeah that was a pushed ourselves in a whole new direction where right. we were there for shooting a music video and none of us are really in it and it's like a whole a whole thing beyond us and like okay what should this scene looks like and i'm like oh right we have a director like that's a whole <laughs> thing and like set design and stuff like that so that was cool each of you have done you know record releases in the past with your previous bands you've done music videos and all this other stuff. Was there a big difference for each of you as far as how you approach this band and the, the art and the, the product itself uh, compared to some of the other ones? I mean, I think uh, so I, I think for me with my last band, 
because it was like we were all pretty young when we started it and we came up with the concepts and like you know we're trying to do uh some sim i guess some similar ways or methods of going about creating what we were doing at the time that's what we do now but it was very much from like that immature kind of like we're just going at it and like oh that sounds like a good idea let's just do that and not really putting any thought into like what how that would actually turn into a product yeah. whereas this for me I'm always thinking about like, okay, is this the best that we can be doing this? Like, what's the best way we'll have, you know, conversations where we'll just throw stuff, like throw ideas around and try to see what sticks. I remember, remember how many times you talked about just the overall concept of that for uh, that second music video, the actual film with the production. Oh yeah. And we, we talked about all sorts of different like concepts and ideas and really kind of figured out what we wanted out of it versus just like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> and then just going with it. Yeah, when you the that music video, it's like it was the first time I'd ever done a music video that wasn't just like a play along. Like normally it's like, OK, 75 percent of the shots are you just playing. Now you're playing in slow mo. Now it's the drummer now, you know, and it's those are awesome music videos. And like maybe someday we will will do one of those. Right. But for this, we were like we wanted something that was like a narrative or like an old tool video again, like harkening back to being like. I want to sit down and watch a music video. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted somebody to be like, I want to go back and watch that again. Wasn't that the, like so weird? Wasn't that like, what was that clay thing? Or like, what, what were they trying to say? And like digging into it. And that's like, was part of the fun of music videos back, at least from like tools to me is like one of the best examples of that, of being like a music video that's confusing and fun to rewatch. Yeah. I'm just picturing it in my head, just replaying it in my head. Yeah. Like yeah. What I don't even remember all of it, but it just like parts of it just stand out so much. And the claymation that you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. That's it. And to me, like the tool video tool videos are amazing for that. And then you, it's like, Oh, do you remember any smashing pumpkins videos? It's like, no, because it's just it was like him singing in an ice cream truck, I think. Right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that was that was a whole music yeah, video. But tonight, tonight, that was a great video. That that was theatrical. <laughs> that was him in. I think he had a, like a top hat and stuff like that, too, I think. Or just well, a really yeah, nice like jacket. Whole, like, I don't I remember. Like Victorian era type of thing. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's when you have money and you just be able to do whatever you want with oh, it. Oh yeah, they, they had. I mean, they had one music video again. Like, it's not a play along. It's a it's a narrative music video, and they made yeah. like whatever it was like sixteen stages, and like he's getting there's like costume changes and different characters coming oh, through. Yeah. Ava Adore. Yeah, and yeah. then it like yeah, pulls yeah. back and it like starts falling apart in its like own essence, and it's a one single shot thing, and it's like, yeah, dude, th th some of those are awesome, and that it's is like wild. Yep, I gotta go back and watch these things. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know anything about this stuff. I got to go back to it. I've, I've forgotten like the the tool thing is such a jarring image. I feel like. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely disturbing. Yeah, they make you feel uncomfortable. You're just yeah. watching. You're just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> just something, just something... with, with Smashing Pumpkins, that that video only I'm only reminded by that because of how pretty it was for a hot second. Yeah. yeah. And that's 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 all I get. So, um. We're going to wrap up here in a little bit, but what I kind of want to um, end with for the most part is it, it. I think it's hardest to balance, you know, work, family, and then obviously the pursuit of what you guys are doing with the, with this band. Right. Yeah. So with with that, what do you think is something that keeps pushing you to keep pursuing it? And when when you guys fell out of your perspective or respective bands, 
and felt that that kind of like stop that it was almost like a grind to a halt for for most of you guys from what i'm hearing what pushed you really to be like okay now i can kind of move on to the next thing does that make sense yeah yeah, yeah cool i'm gonna go with it ryan yeah so so after shot broke up i actually was like am i gonna do music again like in what capacity like i obviously knew that i always want to play music but i'm gonna do a band again i'm just gonna like release random stuff online or something and I, I jammed with a, a couple different groups and like nothing really felt right. And um, then basically just running into Alex at that show kind of turned everything around. But basically the thing that keeps me pushing is like just that pursuit of just making cool art. It's just like, yeah, it's really hard to like, you know, organize everyone in the same room or like get our ideas to agree together but like once like you're holding that record in your hand you're like oh shit like <laughs> yeah we really did press our own braille messages like he, <laughs> alex is a mad scientist we like so like we're just like putting out these ideas and like just like oh it'd be cool if we had this in the vinyl and stuff and like oh it'd be awesome if we had a braille sheet so like we're like messaging like braille makers and it's like oh yeah it's like a couple hundred dollars for braille sheets we're, like no so he's like Oh, I'll just make one. Like, what? So, like, yeah, just a couple weeks later, I go to his house, and he has, like, this steel plate, and he's putting beads in. And he's like, oh, hey, can you just double-check to make sure that, like, I spelled everything correctly? So, like, we're, like, doing the code. And, yeah, he made a whole template yeah. Yeah. for Braille, and we were sitting there one night, like, we wet the paper, then we, like, roll it over, and we made these Braille answers. He's a regular Ben Franklin over here. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's a Renaissance man, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, like, yeah. we just, like, it. we came up with these maybe cool maybe stupid ideas and it's like we followed through and just like come that release day you're holding it's like holy shit like these were just things in our heads and silly things that we were saying and now this is a physical thing that we're holding and right. people can enjoy and i don't know it just yeah invoking emotion in other people like just seeing how how happy this music makes them feel it's just it's crazy like especially this tour we're just realizing this like oh like it's not like just our friends coming to shows anymore. Like we'll have people come up and be like, "Oh, hey, I'm I'm, showing, I'm coming to this date. I'm coming to this date." We're like, what, why? What's what's going on? Like this is weird, but like I don't know. It it's cool. This this project is like just a whole different animal. Yeah, I feel it's like it's connecting with a lot of people, which is it's amazing. It's it's what you you want, obviously. Right. But yeah. Do you think this is where? you want to be musically and is this the most free that you've been musically in a while or yeah i mean it with the old band it was like we never really captured how we were live and like we were just like a spectacle but like with this band i feel like i'm a musician i'm not using my guitar that's fair that's i'm fair. not using my guitar as a weapon i'm using yeah. it as intended yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like that's so funny okay you, you know exactly what i mean though, yeah, right? yeah. yeah it's like i'm not like throwing my guitar i'm playing it and right for, not that i didn't play it but you, you know what i mean yeah well the first time that i saw a uh, shot it was there fuck I don't, I don't know how old you are now but you were babies then and derek the drummer at the time he's i just see him starting to climb his own drum set yeah and then start playing his own drum set while he's on top of it yeah and then just spins around jumps around hits everything goes back to it and i was like what the fuck are you doing first of all <laughs> second of all i love it and then i see brian 
falling off of rafters and just like being a monkey. And yeah, we like it was a spectacle. Like, yeah, we just wanted to put on like the craziest show possible. Well, with this band, like obviously, like the show is a huge part, but like we just want to like present our music the best way possible. Yeah, yeah, like what you talking, you were talking about before. It's not all feedback and and walls of sound. This is actually like intricate and artistic and yeah all the and you're you're an actual musician yeah good job you, you, yeah i made, you made it, it like, <laughs> I, it finally yeah i'm finally playing guitar so i'm just throwing it that's, that's hilarious thanks gary <laughs> uh alex yeah um as far as like um like why or i guess like what's gonna keep us like pushing the next the next thing that like what we're what we have to do is like what he was talking about. We were talking about like when you start opening like art concepts and being like, it feels like in a very traditional sense, like we did, we're doing our gallery. We're still doing our gallery opening for like basically this set of paintings. And now it's going to be like, okay, what's this painter or these set of painters going to paint next? And it's going to be like, okay, we did our still lifes with flowers. And now like, what are we going to do next? What's going to unfold from that? And like, what are we going to have to, you know, Frankenstein in the basement to, to like, what, what's going to be some music videos that tie in with that concept. And like this whole, like we did this whole blind thing. We actually did, um, 10, the record company was super, super cool. We did 10 all white records mm -hmm. in 10 all white sleeves with 10 all white, like slip covers. And then pressed in just the name in braille, like actual braille, but it's super, super small. And it's just like, just the same as the other record cover, but it does has nothing on it. It's just pure white. It was like huh. the the insert for those ones are all white instead of black. Everyone else got black ones like and just being like we got to push ourselves and do something that was like we even did a unique record and then there's a unique version of the right. unique record and it comes with a VHS and like if you wanted to, you could watch the music video on, on VHS. VHS. And it's like that's fun. Ten people got it. Yeah. That's the whole that's the whole thing. It's like we're not going to redo them. It was a lot of work, so, you know, <laughs> but it was like we pushed and, you know, like we had we came up with these ideas and I had to turn some stuff off to them and be like, OK, Jeremy, you're on VHS duty because I <laughs> I'm in making a, a metal plate that has way too many Braille records right. world. But mm -hmm. but like that same thing, we were we were in the van and we were talking about like, man, what about what about some cool record like what about ideas for the next record? And we're talking about like, what if we did a clear record and you could do things like, what if it was two records and there's like a decoder ring in it or some like, and there's stupid ideas now, but like once we bang them around for a while and flesh them out, yeah. I think it's, that's where I'm excited. It's like sonically, we took the first sip of the beer. That's, you know, 24 ounces. We have so much more, I think that we can really get out of what we can do. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We don't even yet have to be like, oh, man, maybe we should bring another instrument on to diversify the sound and like what we're capable of. Like, nope, we're barely opened, I think, what we can do. And we have a lot of stuff to still play with and a lot of new sounds that we brought to the first record and be like, man, I can't wait to do those in a new way and and bring those around because no one does them at all. Right. We're the only people that do right. those sounds. So, yeah, it's, I think those things is like man between the music and then like the message and what we put around the music is just like it's so much fun and it's so much being able to push and 
the labels being nice enough to deal with the weirdness is like <laughs> really cool well are you guys as a whole uh conscious or afraid of coming off as too pretentious or coming off as too hipsterish or coming off like that that can always be like pushing the boundaries of what you're doing artistically sonically production wise the whole thing yeah, yeah. is amazing it's mm -hmm. it's always that good piece but you're always also getting like people that are like why are they doing this? Yes. This is stupid. They should just press a record and just keep it going. I don't know. Well, yeah, and I think there's part of that that is like it. You always want to. You don't want to obscure the effort, but right. you don't want to force people to be like, "Man, look at all the effort I put into this record." <laughs> you're just like, "Yeah, dude, it's twenty bucks." Like it's that, and you're like, "That you're set." Like there's, yeah. you doesn't. We made a lot of this. There's a reason that the sheets in braille because like the sheet has this whole like basically kind of story that you can unfold if you want to if you don't want to dig into that like pretentious hole it's just a piece of paper in the thing like it doesn't have to affect you and same thing with like the record cover it's just a record cover it doesn't you don't have to unpack it and i think that that's essential part of what we made it'd be like man why is that song named that You're like because it's named that like you don't have you don't have to open the can of worms man and it doesn't right. it's not gonna affect you you don't miss the message because the message was in, as intended it's for you to just interpret and same thing that state getting up like on stage and being like we just want to get up on stage we don't have to want to like put on cloaks turn on the smoke machine and like do the whole which is like and to me like Sono is a great band to reference in terms yeah. of like how pretentious can you be on stage? Yeah. Sono is like one of the most well worked. Like everyone who goes to a Sono show knows what they're getting into. People don't know what they're getting into with us, and it's like we're not gonna. It's just the lights are there for like a little bit of ambiance. They take two two milliseconds to set up. It's not a whole light show. We just it's a little bit of like a, an accent, and then we just like okay, play this play the set. Yeah. We don't. We don't do any rock star moves. Like we're not going to dab mid set. We're just <laughs> like you could if you really want to. <laughs> so Brian's it's about to just lose his yeah, yeah. And so it's like it's a very it's a very delicate thing to balance. You definitely don't want to come across as pretentious, but like you do want to make art. And yeah. it's like, is it pretentious to show a painting that you painted? Like. Where you know he's like be like, but I do like painting. Like, isn't right. that fun? <laughs> yeah, you just got to be grounded and yeah, and yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when like someone's like, yeah, dude, I don't want to open. I don't want to get into that. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> let's have a beer. Like, it's it's fun. Cool. Uh, Jeremy. Yeah. So, for me, music is just like what I exist for. Um, like, it's all it's all I think about. It's really it's really like who I am. Like I've said this to people before. If you know, like. Yeah, I do all these things. Like, uh, yeah, I like being a mechanic. I like doing the army thing. Yeah. I like, um, you know, doing all these other things. But if you took those away from me, I'd still be me. Like, you know, the core of it. But if you took music away from me, I don't even know who that person would look like. So it's it, not what you can do for your country. It's what music can do for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and like a prime example of like of that when we uh, with my last band. Uh, we had a falling out with one of our guitarists and we ended up uh, firing him and the next day we saw all of his gear like when I say all of it I mean like his full you know Randall his Randall full stack his guitars everything for in sale? the local music store for sale oh. we're like we're like yeah like 
if you know if, if for some reason something happened and I wasn't in this band anymore, like I'm not gonna stop doing music. I'm gonna be like, okay, cool. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm gonna go do something else. And uh, not that I want that to happen. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, please don't let me go. No, no, you're, you're telling a non sequitur. It's okay. We, yeah, yeah. Please don't fire me. <laughs> I really like you, but yeah, with with this band, yeah, just the the creativity and it, it really like you uh, asked Brian earlier. It really is been the most free I've been because it's subjectless and it's not really uh, like Alex said it's still a relatively new genre there's so much room for experimentation and exploration that it really opens it up to be able to try different things and like yes okay sometimes I you know I might try something and it completely sucks but then you also find those times when you try something new and you're like wow that was really really cool and you can you know latch onto that and start refining it and that's really where I see us going is like continuing to just push those up, you know, push the envelope, push those boundaries and really just continue to grow and evolve the genre. Cool. I think that's it. I like Word. that. Yeah. Cool. Good with that. Thanks, man.